It's Rog, back with the fourth episode in our new series, Wrexham in the USA, powered by Stoke. And an episode that honestly I've been so eagerly awaiting, one of which we get to sit down and speak with one half of the duo who have helped make Wrexham North America's team. That's right. The real fresh prince of Philadelphia, Rob McElhenney, came in. What a delight uh, to listen to, spend time with that gentleman whose passion uh, for football, his passion for the Wrexham project is honestly, I mean, you know this if you're listening, it's incredibly contagious. But before we begin, we've got to thank the teams who've made all of this possible. Wrexham AFC, who have been willing um, and incredible to work with. They've really opened themselves up for this whole project, which I hope we're going to be able to continue in this incredible moment of their journey as they approach the Football League again for the first time in 15 agonising years. Took the time to arrange these interviews while they're in the mighty city of Philadelphia and Stoke Cold Brew, which you know now I love. Always bold, always smooth, really the opposite of me when you use those adjectives, but a long-time staple in the Bennett refrigerator turns stadium sponsor of Wrexham's vaunted racecourse ground, the Stoke Kairas. Supporting brands who support football is what we want to do. Uh, the team behind this brand are just so committed to this Wrexham story, the joy that it brings, they really refract. It's hard to know where the Wrexham ends and the Stoke coffee begins it is magical to partner with them i drink their espresso blend unsweetened every morning first thing i drink as i turn on the television to just watch all of the football that we have been uh, granted blessed with through this summer they've got a variety of cold brews one for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favorites in a refrigerated multi-serve format. So all of you listening who are coffee lovers can have the coffee house experience of your choice where in your own homes, to the pod. Prize picks is the easiest, the most exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favourite sports and players. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. One of Wrexham's most popular and official anthems sung by the fans is Uma Ohid. We're still here. It's hard to put into words what it feels like when that song is, in particular is sung. 
I don't think it's about one small town in Wales. I think that there are billions of people on this planet that feel that same exact thing. And I think a lot of people can still feel what it means to have to tell somebody else, even themselves, that they matter and that they're still here. Oh, my guest today is a multi-talented actor, writer, director, the creative mind who co-imagined both Mythic Quest and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The latter, ensuring Danny DeVito will one day be dipped in bronze and enshrined in the Smithsonian where he truly belongs. In November 2020, he teamed with Ryan Reynolds to buy Wrexham AFC, an astonishingly surreal at the time takeover that leaves the two of them tied as the world's second most handsome football club owners right behind Arsenal's Stan Kroenke. Their creative leadership has coaxed an international audience to experience the challenges, successes, and frankly, the shared humanity of this incredible football club as he's delivering on his promise to help Wrexham become a global force. We're about to watch his Welsh poet warriors take the field in his magnificent hometown of Philadelphia. It's an incredible time to welcome Mr. Rob McElhenney. Thank you, Raj. Good to be here. Oh, Rob, we are here in Philadelphia, your hometown, Wrexham, playing away. What does it feel like? Is it a bit like showing the person you married your childhood bedroom? I'm happy to answer that question, but I have to address something first because I'm sure anybody that's watching this is thinking about this. You and I did not coordinate our outfits together, correct? We normally do. I just, on a, normally we yeah. do, but on, a, on, on match day, we try not to talk, right? Yes, that's true. I walked in the store and the first thing I saw, you have a, a white undershirt and a purple shirt. Yeah. And it just so happens that I'm wearing the same. I know, I have the same chest hair arrangement though, and I'm very envious. Yeah, well, not we can really. work on that. I got, really. I, got, I got people for that. And, but, and you know what? That's another conversation for another day. Okay. Oh, but Philadelphia, <laughs> Wrexham. Yes. Childhood bedroom. Uh, it's just been uh, an amazing and, and profound experience from the very beginning, but especially to come home. I was just in my hotel room and I've got so many friends and family here, but I find that sometimes it's easier to just have, I stay in a hotel just to keep it simple. And so I was looking down, I can see my high school from my hotel window. And it, I, for whatever reason, it was a surreal experience for me this morning. And I was really um, contemplative as I sat there and, and was dreaming about what tonight was gonna be like. It's like a rosebud moment. Well, I, I'd like to think I'm not going to perish. <laughs> Uh, but at the end of this, I hope this is not a rosebud moment. Oh. You know that he, he dies when I he know, says rosebud. Rob, I'm just getting started, man. I don't like to break the bad news. We're all going to die, and God At speed. some point. But, uh, can we, let me move from death to just how good is this Stoke coffee? The, the, I just have to, have to say the Stoke cold brew coffee is amongst the most delicious cold brew coffees in the world. Oh, so good. They named it after a famous football stadium. Rob, we're talking as Wrexham wrap-up, two remarkable weeks going coast to coast in the United States. Just capped off really an astounding two years for this club. This summer alone has seen Wrexham supporters setting alarms so they could go online to score one of the team's new kits before they sold out like that. Fans braving North Carolina's broiling temperatures to try and get on goalkeeper Ben Foster's GoPro. Wayne Jones, the owner of now-famed Turf Hotel, walking around the stadium, mobbed as if he was Harry Bloody Styles. Tell me, this is exactly what you imagined 
when you took over this club less than three years ago, that you would be facing Chelsea and Manchester United and chopping it up with Eric Ten Hag? Um, well, no. I would say that, that <laughs> the specific events that have transpired, uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted, but we knew from the very beginning that this had the potential to happen. Uh, again, we didn't know what the timeline would be, but we knew that if we told the story right, that we would be able to touch people in a way that, that uh, would motivate them to be doing exactly what they're doing right now. What did you say to Eric Ten Hag before the gig? I said, good luck. I said, it, it was an honor to be here. Uh, truly, it, it was an honor um, and a pleasure to play Manchester United. They are uh, a storied club and I, I believe the most popular sports club in the world, transcending sport. So it was an honor for us to even be on the pitch with them. Don't like English into Miami, but pre-season, is a time for hope. It's also a time of challenge too. Football can give you such highs. It can give you unexpected sucker punches. And we need to say up top, I'm so sorry about Paul Mullin. It's very clear how deeply you care about the players as footballers, but as human beings. And when an injury like that happens, can you describe the emotions that you experience? It's devastating. Um, you know, growing up a sports fan, and I've been a sports fan my entire life, it's easy to think of the players as characters in a story that you're watching on television. Even if you happen to meet some of them over the course of time, if you don't really understand who they are as human beings, it's hard not to feel a distance. And I no longer feel that. I've spent a lot of time with these men, both professionally and personally. I know them very well. I know their families very well. I know their children, their parents, some of their grandparents. And so we're, we're incredibly close. So this isn't just a striker getting hurt. Uh, this is my friend. This is somebody who I have a, a deep personal connection with who has to have an ambulance come and take him to the hospital. So then you have to compartmentalize to a certain extent because you have to move on with the game. But I'm constantly on my phone checking for updates. And luckily, Paul had his phone. And Paul was checked back in with us within a, a few hours. And he's going to be returning to Wrexham in about two weeks well, with, first, a, with a Scouse Californian accent, no doubt. Yeah, first, so right now he's, uh, he's not allowed to leave the, uh, the San Diego area, but then he's going to come and stay with us, uh, with Caitlin and I, in Los Angeles, just because he doesn't have any friends or family here. So, um, and we didn't want him to be alone and so lonely. So he's going to come stay with us at the house. Uh, I'm going to go to the UK for the game. Caitlin's going to stay back <laughs> so that he's not alone. And my one kid's going to come with me, one kid's going to stay back because he'd rather spend time with Paul than with me. <laughs> and then I come back uh, from the game and, and then it'll be the Brady Bunch. I don't know. Super Paul Mullen is essentially going to be your money for two weeks. I think it'll be the other way around, but, <laughs> but, um, but yes. Yes, he's our, he's, he's, he's our friend and we just don't want him to be alone in San Diego. One quick fascinating detail about this tour, I joke with Phil Parkinson, your manager, that it can't be long now until Wrexham sign an American player, as they now can as a football league team. Have you given any thought, tiny amount of thought, about signing a bona fide American to follow in the footsteps of the club's legendary first ever US star, Manchester born, New Jersey raised, Jake Edwards, played all of 11 games for Wrexham. I would say that I don't dream of these things. I listen to Phil, and if Phil says this is the player that I want, then we go after that person 100%, truly. We don't know enough about sports, any sport, let alone football, to be even dreaming of making those decisions. So even this morning as we were talking about signing a few new players before the season. 
it comes back from the board, this is who we're thinking, and Ryan and I both respond the same way. Is this who Phil wants? Well, do our best to go get him. Does Phil really want London Donovan was the question that you asked yourself. I don't know. Who knows? I Phil. guess we'll find out. Phil, he loves people in bull denial. Rob, I want to talk about your own football journey, because you didn't grow up supporting a soccer club or even downing half-time orange slices at a YMCA youth team. Story's well told, but you started watching games in the Mythic Quest writer's room with Wrexham's now executive director, Humphrey Kerr. After watching both seasons of Sunderland Till I Die, the exquisite Netflix series about Sunderland's traumatic fall, and so you decided to charge headfirst into this sport, truly, madly, deeply. And according to Wrexham's former director, Spencer Harris, you, quote, searched all of Western Europe for the right club. Was there a specific moment or incident that made it clear to you that screamed out Wrexham, Wrexham, the chosen one? Oh, most definitely. Um, it was when we started to see images of the people of Wrexham and started uh, reading the lore and listening to the stories and understanding the history. It's a mining town. It just felt like home to me. The people look like people I grew up with, uh, family members, friends, the people that uh, you see around this city every day. And that resonated with me. And I know it did with Ryan as well, who grew up in a, in a working class neighborhood. And um, it was down to a, a few other towns as well, because Wrexham is not the only town in the UK that's like that. But because of that, um, we also recognized that there was, look, it's sports, so there's always going to be some tribal division, and that's what's fun about it. But I also found and figured that we could find some commonalities amongst the people, especially across the United States, in towns just like Wrexham, just like Philadelphia. And if we could tell the story of Wrexham and people could identify with it, then they would love the club as much as the town did. When you started this process back in late 2020, Wrexham had been fan-owned for almost a decade. Supporters Trust ran the club. They had to vote to approve the sale to you and Ryan. And more than 98% did so. The other 2% were holding out for a Hemsworth brother. But before that vote, you and Ryan released an extraordinary heartfelt mission statement, pledging in part to protect the club's heritage, to reinforce the values of the community, and to quote, be part of Wrexham's story, not drag the club into ours. And for the outset, I've got to say watching, it was an incredibly empathetic approach to ownership. It's all too rare in this day and age where owners can treat the club as mere baubles, playthings, extensions of their own egos. And I always want to know, what informed your approach to leadership? Who did you speak to? Who advised or influenced you? Like that, that humble path. I think you're right um, that there are a lot of people that look at, at these clubs across the world as, as toys, toys for billionaires. Um, and that's just not the way Ryan and I approach things. We, we knew that if we were going to find the right club that we could not treat it like a toy. We knew that there's a, a history, specifically with Wrexham, you know, Wrexham was incorporated in 1864. This country was in the middle of a civil war. We play on, a ra on the race course ground, which was originally built in 1803. That's during the Thomas Jefferson administration. I mean, the history, the history of this town and this club is so rich and so deep, we knew that we could not trifle with it. We, could, we had to be as respectful as it deserved. So that's the way we've been approaching it from day one. And we thought, of course, if we make this announcement um, that people are going to laugh it off or think that we're making a joke about it or think that this was all just 
a part of some social media experiment or something like that. And we knew that there was no way to run away from that. And in some ways, we've winked to the camera the entire time that we accept that responsibility as like the clowns of the story. But we also knew that if we didn't deliver a very clear message of what our intent was and then back it up on a consistent basis, that we'd, we would be rightfully run out of town. Yeah, the story of your experience, we know what happens. We've lived it first as a football season, then via the magical recap. By the way, at Men in Blazers, we get fans of the show writing to ask us to stop tweeting about Wrexham during the season because they are angry that we're spoiler alerting season two of your show as if it was like the final season of Succession, which is genuinely a fascinating and unique tension. But when Wrexham started to rise, you dissembled this incredible cast of characters. And as you say, some people wrote it all off as a fad, like a yo-yo or a hula hoop or a grimace shake. But we noticed immediately massive, massive engagement when we talked about Wrexham, tweeted about Wrexham. It was like on par with Premier League content, Messi-like numbers occasionally. I saw what you were doing. I took it super seriously from the beginning. To me, what you're doing in North Wales, it's honestly like watching an epic Greek poem play out in real time. And I want to ask you, how do you understand the ingredients that have led to Wrexham becoming essentially the world's biggest, smallest global powerhouse football club? Well, I think what Ryan and I understand uh, best because it's our profession is storytelling. And I think when we looked at Wrexham and we looked at the football pyramid, which was really, for me, <laughs> that was the moment um, when I was sitting on the couch next to my wife, Caitlin, and we were in the middle of the pandemic, and I learned about promotion and relegation. I had never, never learned that before. And, uh, and I, when I, I called Humphrey and he said, of, of course, this, I've been telling you about this for years, you just haven't been listening. <laughs> and he was dead right. And I've call, I, feel, I called a, a few of my friends who were, and I'm gonna say soccer because we're in the United States, soccer fans, and I said, have you heard of this? And they're like, Yes, we have been talking about this for years. Humphrey was probably like, what else have I been telling him for years that he's not listening to? Yes, that's, that's fair. Um, and so I'm such a, a massive sports fan. I thought, wow. And I, I really, I watched that exquisite documentary, Sunderland Till I Die. And again, I just recognized those people and it was such a beautiful story. And you were watching this tragedy unfold uh, of the descent of the club, which makes it uh, inherently compelling. But I thought, well, there's an opportunity to tell the opposite version of that story, which is a story of hope. Instead of taking a club who's at the top, who's tumbling down, we could take a club who's down and try to tell the story of them ascending. Uh, and, and so I immediately uh, Googled, how do I buy a sports team? And this article in the New York Times came up about this man named Steve Horowitz, who works at Inner Circle Sports. And I thought, I don't know. I mean, he did the Liverpool deal. He did the Red Sox. I'm just going to call him. So I called him. I said, you don't know who I am, but if you have kids, they, they might. Um, this is my plan. This is what I'd like to do. <laughs> he said, I don't know. Let me think about it. We kind of handle bigger things, and you're talking about something small. And I said, sure. So this is a Friday. I hang up. Saturday morning, I get a text from him from the East Coast. He says, can you call me? As soon as I saw, can you call me? I knew that he was interested, so I called him back and he said, this sounds compelling, I'll help you. And I think what happened at every moment after that, each person that would be brought in, including Ryan, I emailed Ryan one night thinking as this was happening, you know, I might want to find a sponsorship. And Ryan 
it obviously owns the gin company, and I thought that could be a fun sponsor. But then I thought, it might be more interesting. He's so entrepreneurial, he would be a great partner. Um, I wonder, wonder if he would want to go into it with me. And I wrote him this email of what the plan was, sent it off in the, at, in the, before I went to bed at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, I woke up at five in the morning, and he had already responded and said, call me. So I called him, and he said, I'm in, just like that. We found Wrexham within a few weeks, and then we were off to the races. But for us, it's always been about the same thing, which is that we believe that this story is, is not specific to Wales, it's not specific to the UK or the US or Asia or Africa. It's an inherently human story, and we believe um, that anybody and everybody can watch this and see themselves in it. I mean, listening to you, the, the, part of the tragedy, I'm from Liverpool, part of the tragedy of watching Sunderland Till I Die is it's not just the football club that's descending, it's the city, it's the community that's been left to rot. Mm -hmm. um, so double the echo of the power of what you're doing. It's not just a football club you're lifting up. You're saying a community like Wrexham, which is you know, in the northwest of Britain, like Liverpool, has really been thrown away politically, socially, economically. You're saying, no, you know, hope can live here, hope can breathe here. I saw a clip um, once of a, a, a woman that her team had lost in and she had tears in her eyes and she said, why can't it ever be us? And I, that to me, even to, in this moment right now, I get emotional about because it's not, it's very clearly not about football uh, for her. She um, and the people she loves and the community that she loves have been marginalized for almost their entire existence. And I think there are so many people out there that think that the good things in life are not for them. They're not destined for them. And that is heartbreaking. So you're almost flipping the question around. Why can't it be us? Why can't it be you? It should be you. It can be you. So a huge part of it is that. And by the way, it's not a sports thing. It is a sports thing. Because why can't it be us? I'm an Everton fan, a Chicago Bears fan a Chicago White Sox fan, and when I watch that, there's many levels of trauma, Sunderland till I die. Part of it is the Robin Ryan effect. You draw an audience who don't care about football, but love you guys. There is the beauty of Wrexham's story, as you've identified, but for football fans, there's something quite brilliant. There's also the fact that every football fan can support this team. You can support Chelsea and cheer for Wrexham. You can support Barcelona and cheer for Wrexham because they are four tier. Unless you're a Notts County fan, your team are non-threatening. Yes, um, I think that's a, a huge part of the fun too. That, oh, by the way, can I just point out that this is like the most British thing ever? That we, we started to go into an, an emotional place and then immediately my British compatriot got out of it as quickly as possible. And I'm so used to this now because I, I, I'm, I'm spending so much time in the UK and I, I understand it full stop, and I appreciate He's it. He's on to me. Thank you. He's on to me. Roger is Latin for repression, I think. 100% fair. Um, I, I think this is part of the fun. So we were, when we were at Manchester United, when we were talking with the people of Chelsea, I kept saying to the supporters, you can have two clubs. We're so far apart. You can have two clubs. For you can now. support us for now. <laughs> and we got a great response. And I think it was so fascinating to see how many Man U fans, because that game very specifically, were, were wearing uh, Man U kits and Wrexham hats. 
And I thought, well, that's a, that's a beautiful opportunity. That headspace. We're not in the football business, we're in the headspace business. I'm, we're in the heart business. And the headspace business. Sure, because uh, um, you're British and I'm American. But by the way, the, <laughs> but talking, talking about British crap, if you want me to talk about, I will talk about British, one of the most amazing facets of this story is how English fans love it too. This is possibly of all the incredible tricks you played, one of the most unfathomable. You passed their smell test, you and Ryan, which is incredibly hard to do. Steve Coogan once said, and I love this, if you give an Englishman the choice between his own success and your failure, he'll choose your failure every single time. You should have been rejected. You should have been spat out like a donor organ, but you've won them over. Well, I wouldn't say we won everybody over. I, I think we've, I feel, that I feel what you're talking about from time to time. I thought you were gonna be buzzsawed, I really did. I feared we, we expected you. I feared that. For you. We, we expected that, um, but again, I think we just approached everything as honestly as we possibly could. And I know that that often will draw the buzzsaw. Um, but again, I think what we're trying to do, and we've been very diligent in this, and this is also very important to us, is that we knew right away that if we came in there and acted like the Hollywood, the Hollywood jerks who knew what they were talking about, that that would be automatically <laughs> rejected and should be but that it, it wasn't about us coming in and telling people what to do. It's also the beauty of being so naive about it. We just asked as many questions as we could. We asked them what they needed and how we could help them as opposed to telling them what we should do, what they should do. Even my dad, Ivor, who's an Everton fan, lifelong, I say not the most generous human being, even my dad looks for your results on the regs. I've got to say, when you got my dad, Rob, it's really quite something. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we have, we have, I'm not supposed to talk about the documentary because, for obvious reasons, because of the labor strike, but I will say in terms of the story, we address that part of the story, that we recognize that there's a, a, a tallest poppy phenomenon about Wrexham. We recognize that because of the exposure, just inherently in sports, you are naturally predisposed to loving your tribe. And I guess what we're trying to suggest as often as we can is that we're all a part of the same tribe and that if we can at least just recognize that we might be combatants on the pitch, but as we're all leaving the stadiums, we can look at each other and say, you look a lot like me. We are kind of the same people. So let's keep it out there and not bring it outside of here. That seems like a much more fun experience to us. Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favorites, California, Texas, and Georgia. God speed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wet. But back to Price Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving double P, Pablo Picasso, Price Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season, is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview, you get the drift. But because price picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball, 
Oh, and hockey. Oh, the Capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long time staple in the Bennett refrigerator. Stoke cold brew coffee. Always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse. Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar. Essentially, the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48-ounce cold brew products. Seven for everybody, from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi-serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience at the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. And be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. When I chatted to Ben Foster earlier, we, we were talking about the tour and we were both like, football's not meant to be this joyful. It's not meant to be this fun. It is a, it is a radical idea. And inherent in that, there's tensions. You know, the reality with the players, they are incredible characters. They all seem like incredible human beings. I've spent time with them over the past two weeks. But now you've worked out how to build this global platform. How do you keep signing the right players with the right mentality who will focus on the football task at hand and not turn it into an F-Boy Island audition. That is all the responsibility um, and result of Sean Harvey, Fleur Robinson, and Phil Parkinson, and Les Reed, and all of their teams. Ryan and I, all we do at, at, at this point now, I mean, we, we've done our best to try to set the culture and tell the story, and then we hired the right people, and then we just listened to them. So Phil knows the kind of player that he wants, and he also knows the vision that we have for what this can be. And just winning at all costs is just not gonna cut it for us. So how do you handle it personally though? Because you, you do have close involvement with the players. You have built real relationships with them, with their families, with their grandparents in some cases, and an international audience gets to know them and their stories. You've drunken victory beers with them in their locker rooms. You've listened to Steve Aoki remix their chants in Vegas nightclubs. Does having those deeper, more personal connections, does it make it difficult when you do have to start making decisions about the team, about not re-signing someone to a contract, or when someone needs to move on? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, one of the greatest experiences that I've had with the clubs so far, and it sounds glib, but it's true, was going to Vegas with them after, after we won the league. <laughs> because it was my first opportunity. I went there with Caitlin, um, my wife, and, and the club. And there was no management team. There was no, it was just the boys, just the young men. So we, we get there and none of this was a huge surprise because I already knew them very well. But it was the first time that there was no mics, no cameras, no, um, <laughs> no management team, no adults. I mean, I was the adult, which is wild. <laughs> I turned to Caitlin at one point. I'm like, you know, we're like mom and dad here, I mean, which is, that seems wholly inappropriate. Um, and we said to the guys like, look, you're here to have fun. We're not here to be your parents. We're not here to be authority figures. Just enjoy yourselves and just be respectful and have a good time. And the truth is, 
we went out to dinner, we would spend, we went to day clubs, we went to lunches, we went to, and I got an even deeper understanding of who these men are and were. And it was a further reinforcement that we're on the right path, that Phil is picking the right kind of person. And it was great to have Ben specifically, Ben Foster, because he's the one that's been through it all. And he just keeps pulling us aside and saying, you're doing this the right way from a player's perspective. You're building the right kind of locker room. Again, we're not doing this, this is Phil. And Phil's whole thing is chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. We have to, we have to build the right locker room and just no jerks. He, he uses a different phrase, but it's no somethings. <laughs> and and I, got, I got a call, and in this whole experience, it, I got a call from someone who really has been not even a part of it that was like one of the most profound experiences for me. It was the, it was the guy who was the like handler in Vegas. He was their security detail, but really he was the fixer to make sure they got safely from place to place. And like, if there was any problems, like he was dealing with it. And they all left and he called me and he said, I gotta tell you, man, I've been doing this a long time. He goes, that is a great group of men. They were respectful, they were honest, they treated everybody in the hospitality end of things with respect and dignity. And he said, you're doing something, you're doing something right. And that truly has all to do with Phil and his team. That was the end of one season's journey. A new one is about to begin. On August 5th, Wrexham will walk into the Stoke Kairas with League Two patches on their sleeves for the first time in 15 agonizing years. As this team starts another incredible journey, takes you on another challenge. They are, and I know you don't want me to remind you of this, they're Bucky's favorites. As you look at the 46 games that lie ahead of you, what's your biggest fear? Oh, I don't have any fear during this process. I, I'm not the one that's out on the pitch putting, putting my body on the line. I'm not gonna get a punctured lung uh, out there. So I, I don't have any fear. I would say that the anxiety that I may feel is that I don't have any control <laughs> over what happens out there. And so all we can do is put the pieces together and then it's down to, the, to what those men do out on the pitch that matters. Um, and we're also in the process of building the women's side as well. And they have a very, very, very bright future. So my only potential fear is that the entire organization starts to feel a little bit more pressure to deliver as the audience continues to grow. It's not even necessarily fear, it's um, I have empathy for them. They're young people, they're doing their best. To be honest with you, I even, in some ways, I, I've made a couple of glib comments about the keeper from Manchester United because of Paul's injury. And upon reflection, yes, at the end of the day, these are professional athletes who have to be a little bit more responsible for their actions on the field uh, in a friendly game. But it is a contact sport and things happen. And he has expressed remorse and apologized to Paul. Nobody did anything on purpose. He's a kid. I think he's 20 years old, maybe even younger. I mean, for God's sake. So again, it's, it's, this, it's a difficult thing because you both want to protect your player. And of course you feel you feel outraged that this has happened, but then when you put it in perspective and realize this is just a kid who's doing his best, he made a mistake and everybody's gonna be okay, I guess that's my long answer of saying that I feel nothing but compassion for the people who are actually going out there and winning titles. What will it take to get to League One? How do you understand the elements of that from your brain trust? 
getting more points than the other team. It's quite a brain trust. Yeah, I mean, but I truly, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answers to those questions. I, all I know is if we get more points, and what, the way you get points is by winning, and you get three points for winning, and one point for drawing, then if you get more points, then you get promoted. But truly, beyond that, I'm just now understanding all of the rules, and I've watched a couple of games where I'm like, oh, that's offsides. And then I was so happy to find out that it was. <laughs> um, but aside, aside from that, it. we listened to the brain trust. End of your first season, you promised promotion. What do you want to tell Wrexham Nation in this moment? Can you make any promises this year? Yes, um, I can promise that we will continue to do our best to deliver on the original mission statement. <laughs> I think Rob just guaranteed promotion again. I'm just implying, that's my words. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I do want to take the chance to thank our friends at Stoke Cold Brew Coffee for making this entire series come to life. Couldn't do it without them. Check out the lineup of 48-ounce Stoke Cold Brew products at a retailer near you. And be sure to follow Wrexham AFC as they begin their season of play at the newly named Stoke Kairas. That's Welsh for the Stoke Race course. Oh, and I cannot wait for this League 2 campaign to kick off to the pod. Quick ones before we end. One creative detail that I'm fascinated about that I adore, that I'd kick myself if we didn't discuss, because I think it's a perfect symbol of your mission. As an American sports fan falling in love with football, it's your embroidered Wrexham AFC snapback, which is omnipresent. And until someone orders their Welsh cakes with wit, that hat is possibly the ultimate fusion of North Wales and South Philadelphia. And I've always wanted to know about the inception idea for this creative flourish, because it is so bloody brilliant. Was it like specially commissioned, like some kind of new era inaugural ball game? So I actually have it with me, which is, I didn't realize you were going to be asking me about it, but I bring had, it everywhere. You put this on the TV and it honestly I just, took my breath I away. I, I felt like, like it, was, it was inappropriate to actually wear it for the interview, but I'll wear it later because it's so hot and sunny. Yes, so originally, this is a baseball cap, 
in all, all over the UK, you do not see baseball caps, and you certainly don't see them in football. Um, but I knew I wanted to have some kind of merchandise just for myself to, to represent. I live in California, there's a lot of sun, and it's good to always just be walking around if you're wearing it. Anyway, so I thought, well, how can I make something that I would wear that would look cool and different and didn't exist because we didn't have a robust merchandising arm. Uh, and I, I would even say that we're still not quite there yet uh, with the club. So I just had a couple of ha hats custom made. And, and I, I actually- that, that was your idea, just go old school NFL, fuse the two. Ooh. Yes, and I've already, I've already admitted this to Amy Trask, who was the, uh, the CEO of, of the Raiders back in the day. <laughs> I said, Amy, full stop, I'm an Eagles fan. But what I did was steal the Raiders. Sue me now. Yeah, I stole the Raiders thing. If you remember, like when I was a kid growing up, Lyle, Lyle, you would see, yes, you would see Batman. Raiders, not even necessarily on baseball caps, but you'd see them, actually, you know, the, the band NWA, Ice Cube, when I was a kid growing up, I'd never heard anything like that before. And you saw on the album cover, they just had all black with just white lettering. And it just looked both <laughs> classy and menacing at the same time. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's that old school Raiders look. And I thought we could do something like that here. And it just kind of took off. It's, it, I wear it in the in documentary so people see that. And then we just started making them. And uh, Ryan, Ryan wears a different one. So we have a little bit of a fun rivalry between the two of us of which hats sell more. And through this entire experience, if the question is who's got more, say fame, or height, or money, <laughs> or followers, or friends, or charisma, or ability, charm. Ryan is the answer to that. Who sold more hats? The answer is Rob. This guy. I'm gonna put that uh, on, my, on my gravestone. That actually might be the title of my autobiography. I sold more hats. He was in the headspace business, yes. and he sold more hats. One of Wrexham's most popular unofficial anthems sung by the fans is Uma Ohid, We're Still Here. It's a Welsh folk song, as I understand it. It's about memory, culture, perseverance, takes a defiant pride in survival, in unwavering tenacity, with a repeated line, we are still here in spite of everyone and everything. It's become synonymous for Wrexham. And in the pre-Ryan and Rob years, you know, it sang out often with sadness. It now rings with pride and joy and belief and a real sense of surging hope. Can you describe what you expect to feel when you hear it ring out in the Stoke Kairas for the first time with Wrexham back in the big time League Two after 15 long I mean, I don't, I, I don't have to describe it with words because you're seeing it on my arms. <laughs> Even you just talking about it gives me, gives me goosebumps. And I'm emotionless, remember That's, that. I can tell. That's, no. It's hard to put into words uh, what it feels like when that song is, in particular is sung and knowing what it means and what it means to so many people. Because again, I don't think it's about one small town in Wales. I think that there are billions of people on this planet that feel that same exact thing. And I can tell you, growing up in a city that is sandwiched in between New York and Washington, D.C., the two most important cities in the country, even though we were the birthplace of this nation, you grow up with a certain chip on your shoulder. And um, it's a part and an indelible part of this community. And I think a lot of people, even in those cities, New York and DC, can still feel what it means to have to tell somebody else, 
even themselves, that they matter and that they're still here no matter what, despite anything that and everything that's been put on them. You can put, someone can put their boot on your head and you will still be there. No matter what, I will, I will push that boot off my, off my fucking head and I will stand back up. We are still here. So I mean, honestly, coming from Liverpool, like I've always felt like when I'm in Philadelphia, the two cities are so bloody similar in spirit and what sports matters and sod everybody else. But you've taken that in a remarkable direction. My last question for you is, you know, you're a gentleman that puts himself out there. You're a gentleman that more and more, quite audaciously, is playing a trade in storytelling and emotion, honest emotion, authenticity at a time when that's all too rare. Your, your discussion about mental health, which you've really led and driven into the forefront. How has this experience of being a sports owner, this experience of being in Wales, this experience of communing with the local Wrexham fan base, with this new global Wrexham fan base, with Ryan, how has that changed you as a human being? What lesson have you learned? Well, there's something very strange about making a documentary um, because people assume that, oh, you're on camera, so you're used to it. But I'm not used to it. I'm used to um, either being, either having a script and playing a different character and then always getting to say, well, that's not really me. That's just the character I'm playing. Or it's maybe an interview type thing where, where we're answering questions. And yes, this is the real me, but it's not then following me and catching me in certain moments that... I'm unprepared for or ill-prepared for. And so it was fascinating to watch back so much of the footage that had been shot and then realizing <laughs> that I still had the power to say, don't put that in, don't put that in, don't put that in, but that it would feel dishonest and people that watched it would realize that it was manufactured and not what was really happening. So there are moments that I am like embarrassed about that I've put out into the world where I seem or am being impetuous or childish when it comes to certain things like bureaucracy and like navigating certain things. And that's embarrassing. And yet it's, I recognize it's also funny. And one, first of all, one of the greatest expressions that I've heard, uh, my, my, I think my, maybe my favorite UK expression is whinging, which I'd never heard about, never heard before. And so many people saying, oh my God, listen to this guy whinge. It's so true. I, I like throughout the first season, I'm whinging so much about this or that or this, and it's just bitching, it's just complaining. But for me, the reason it was important to put it up there was that it was an accurate representation of who I am. And it also forced me to reconcile that, you know, sometimes that kind of assertive behavior can get you what you need, and sometimes you need it, and sometimes you need to push through certain levels of bureaucracy. But if it starts to get into layers of like aggressiveness or childlike behavior uh, or, or even disrespectful disregard for other people's feelings, then you really are doing everybody a disservice. And to have that laid bare for me was really helpful because I realized like, oh, I have to take a second look at how I approach things. So I've kind of like even looked at the whole second season of the documentary my entire life and said, wow, how can I use this as an opportunity to be a better person? Rob, first of all, nice shirt. Thanks. Second of all, you're a beautiful human being. To your team, to your family, to your town, both of them, up the turf. Thank you for having me. This is uh, truly an honor.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm-hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I in, would, in the plumber days? 27-year-old Shay would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.